Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Today's guest is Tim Maluli. Tim is a financial planner with Maluli Asset Management. And what I really admire about Tim is that he's the king of content. Whether it's videos, articles, or emails, he's constantly putting out content, staying in front of his clients so that they, they feel like they're really getting good value and information out of Maluli Asset Management. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty here, which is my fault because I forgot to set the recording to record both my screen and Tim's screen. So this one's just going to be Tim. So you guys can pretend like you're having a one-on-one -on -one talk with Tim for this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Tim, thanks for coming on the podcast to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, I'm super excited. So I guess just to get started, can you talk a little bit about your early life? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Things like that. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Wall Township, New Jersey. Uh, it's in Monmouth County, uh, right on the beach. Uh, for those who don't know, um, I have two brothers, uh, Brendan and Casey. Will knows them from school as well. Um, we all grew up in Wall Township, went to Wall Township High School. Um, we ended up all going to the same college as well, York College of Pennsylvania. Right, which is where I met all you guys. Yeah, exactly. So um, we, we actually all work together still in wall township. Um, I live in a, in the town over brick now. So kind of been in the same area here in Monmouth County, New Jersey, my entire life, uh, coming up on three decades. So, uh, born and raised here in New Jersey. All right. Very nice. So what is it that you do? Um, well, our firm here is called Maluli asset management. Um, we're a financial planning and investment management firm. Uh, I'm an investment advisor and a certified financial planner here. So we help people um, with their investments and we build financial plans for them to pretty much answer any kind of financial questions they might have. You know, what kind of investments should they uh, be investing in? How much risk do they need to take? Uh, budgeting, cash flow for, for younger people and, and older folks as well. Retirement planning. Um, pretty much anything that falls under the financial aspect of your life, we can, we can help you out with that. And that's, that's what we do uh, for our clients. I would say majority of our client base, uh, a lot of them are, you know, pre-retirees, some people like that are in the prime earning years of their career and getting close to retirement. They want to make sure that they're on the right track, that they have enough money to retire and that they're, you know, going to be set. Um, but we also do have some younger clients that are more in our generation that are just getting started, you know, making some real money. And um, the fact that they're making more money now, it kind of scares them in a, in, a, in a way, in a good way to make sure that they are doing what they should be doing to kind of set themselves on the right track and that they're not, you know, kind of just flushing money down the toilet or, or putting it into investments or different types of things that are, you know, wasting the money for them. They want to make sure that they're set up. So um, we can really help people on, on any uh, part of the age spectrum. Okay. And so you started that off by saying that you're a certified financial planner and that's, that's something new, right? Yeah. So um, I think it's been about two or three weeks now. Um, I got uh, fully certified, passed the uh, CFP exam, uh, sat for it back in March. There was a, 
uh, six week waiting period to get the grades. Even in okay. 22, it still takes them six weeks to grade all these tests. But um, so found out that passed the exam, got licensed. And so now I'm a CFP. And so what's the difference between being a CFP and, and not being a CFP? Um, I think, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, it, it gives you a, a more expansive knowledge of, of what you're talking about. Um, you know, the CFP curriculum that we had to study, it's, it's almost a two-year course pretty much to get ready for the exam. Um, oh, wow. It, it covers a lot of pretty much anything that you're going to touch on. Like when you're building a financial plan for people, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a tax section, there's an investment section, there's an insurance section, there's retirement section. There's, you know, all of these different sections that you're going to touch on. It makes sure that you're, um, kind of like up to snuff, you know, up to, up to par on where your knowledge base should be if you're helping these people with these problems. And, you know, when clients are looking for an advisor, um, you know, they're, they're seeking out people with these designations. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's similar to if you were looking for an accountant, um, there are accountants out there that are not CPAs, but you know, it, it helps, um, it, it looks good and it looks better and it's more of a, um, you know, it reinforces that, you know, what you're doing in, in the eyes of the client. Okay. And so is this, is financial planning always what you wanted to do growing up or, or how did that come about? Um, so, I mean, when I was growing up, like as, as a kid, I obviously wanted to do like, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, right? Play so. for the Mets. <laughs> yeah. So once I realized that, uh, I couldn't throw a 95 mile an hour fastball or hit a home run, right. um, those, those dreams kind of went by the wayside. But mm-hmm. I think once I started seriously considering careers, mm-hmm. um, investment management and, and just like helping people with their finances was something that I was interested in from, uh, pretty much from like high school on, I went to York with, a with, um, the intentions of, you know, getting a business degree and, and that's what I did. And I think it came from like, my dad started this business back in 2002. So I was 10 years old, um, at that mm-hmm. point. So pretty much through like my whole adolescent period growing up, I was, um, you know, surrounded by someone who was doing what I'm doing now. Right. Uh, so it was, you know, I got to see my dad do it and hear him talk about it. And it really just got me interested from a young age. And did you always have the desire to be in small business as well? I think so. And I think they, they kind of went hand in hand, in hand because mm-hmm. I saw my dad go out on his own and start his own business in 2002. And it, it really, um, for our family, it helped benefit or it helped highlight some of the benefits of mm-hmm. owning your own small business. Obviously getting started, there are a lot of challenges involved with being a small business owner. Right. And, um, you know, for a lot of those, those first hand handful of years, like, like I said, I was 10 years old when my dad started it. So I didn't fully grasp like all of the things that were going on on a day-to-day basis, trying to get the business up and running. But now looking back on it, you know, you really appreciate like all the hard work and everything that my dad right. went all, all the risks to. that he took. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's very, very risky that, you know, uh, a large percentage of small businesses don't make it past their first year or first handful of years. Um, but I think, you know, being in a household that was 
dominated by entrepreneurial, you know, um, inclinations and, and right. wanting to run your own small business. I was, you know, just associated with that uh, from the start. So it kind of went hand in hand with wanting to become, you know, work in the finance industry. Mm -hmm. And was it always, you wanted to work with your dad always, or you just wanted to be in a similar space or something else? Honestly, I think it was mostly driven by the fact that I wanted to work with family. Really? Um, yeah. I think, I mean, you know, you know, our family and how close we are and how well we all get along. Um, we all, we, we were within four years of each other, our, our, the three siblings here. So we had all the same friends. We went to the same college. We, we pretty much did everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, and and for people on the outside, it kind of, we get questions like, how do you guys, how can you even like stand each other being around each other? Right. Right. And it just, I don't know, it just works for us. So I think I've said to my dad in the past, it's like, look, if you were a carpenter or something, I probably would have wanted to, you know, be a carpenter with you. Right. Yeah. I wanted to be in the family business. It just happened that, you know, the family business was being a, an investment advisor. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it was mostly driven by the fact that, you know, the family, it was, it's what the family did. So. Right. And then, so for people who don't know, who are all of the employees of Malule Asset Management? <laughs> uh, there's a very strict requirement. You have to have the last name Maluli. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really, but it, it's worked out that way so far. Uh, so it's my dad, Tom Maluli. Uh, he's the president and owner of, of the business at the moment. Uh, my older brother, Brendan Maluli, my younger brother, Casey Maluli, and then my mom, Donna Maluli, uh, she's here as well. So right now it's just the five of us. Um, we have an answering service actually answering the phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're not Malulis, but you know, they, right. they kind of count, I guess. So <laughs> it'd be weird if they were, I, I think. Yeah. Um, and so does everybody have similar roles there or do you have different roles? How does that work? So, um, the four of us, meaning my dad and Brendan and Casey and myself, uh-huh. um, we're all licensed investment advisors. Uh, my mom, she's more on the administrative side. So she does, um, she handles like more of the office procedures and processes and, you know, making sure paperwork and, and stuff like that gets done. Um, but when it comes to being an advisor, I think we, we all manage money on a team approach. So mm-hmm. it's not like this person is just Brendan's client. That person's my client. Like we right. all manage money together. Um, but you know, we're, so we are, we're all investment advisors, but then I think we all kind of fell into like different little subsets of the business running process okay. along the way. So like for a while, like I just I said, I just became a CFP a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Brendan has had his CFP for, I think like three or four years, maybe five okay. years at this point. Mm-hmm. So he's been doing a lot of the financial planning, the actual uh, like writing of the financial plans and Casey has taken on some of the compliance, uh, side of things. So he does a lot of, um, the compliance work and he, he helps, uh, my mom with like the billing and the numbers. So he does some of the back office stuff. Okay. Um, before I started studying for the CFP, I was doing a lot of our content creation and, and helping my dad with like the marketing side of the business. So it's like, 
we're, we're all advisors, but then we all also do a little bit of our own stuff on the side. And so how did that happen? Did you all just fall into these different roles organically or? Yeah, it was, I mean, it kind of just, like you said, it was organic, but there wasn't really a, a sit down conversation where we were like, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Yeah. You're going to do this. It was kind of just like, we saw that there was a need for Casey was like, we need to stay up to date on our compliance. So uh -huh. like, I'm just going to pick this up and start doing it. And you know, it was like, all right, we want to start putting some content out. Like I had the, I had the free time, you know, Brendan was dealing more with the clients on a mm -hmm. client facing basis. So it's like, I'm just going to pick this up and run with it. So it, it kind of just happened on its own. Okay. And yeah. I see you guys advertise a lot, how you're fiduciaries. Can you explain what that is and why that's so important to you? Yeah. So being a fiduciary is, um, super important in our business. It's, it, it makes sure that, that as an advisor, we have a legal obligation to work in our client's best interest. So for example, some, some advisors don't have that fiduciary obligation, um, mm -hmm. which some clients they, they're not aware of, and they're kind of surprised when they hear it, but mm -hmm. it, you know, they, there are different incentive bases, um, throughout the industry. And it depends on like what kind of firm you work at and stuff. Um, we're fee only investment advisors. So that means we don't accept commissions, uh, for, for putting cl uh, client money in certain products and versus other products. Okay. Um, so being a fiduciary really helps us, um, relay to the clients that like, we always have their best interest in mind. Like we're never going to make an investment decision or an investment recommendation based on anything other than the fact that it's 100% the right thing for them to do. Um, whereas, you know, some other advisors could potentially, you know, if they might pick one uh, mutual fund or, or ETF or investment mm -hmm. vehicle over another uh, because they get paid more on it. Interesting. You know, okay. It's, it's not a, a glamorous side of the business, but I think mm -hmm. it's an important distinction for clients to know, like, Hey, we're on the same team here. Like we're fiduciaries. We have like, legally, we cannot recommend anything to you. That's not in your best interest. Like that would be got it. A, breach of, uh, a breach of the fiduciary standard. Mm -hmm. So then when you say fee only, where does the fee come from? So it's, it's based on, um, the money that we manage for them. So mm -hmm. If your account uh, is, let's say, $100,000, we bill on that account balance. Uh -huh. uh, so again, we're kind of on the same side as the client in the sense that you know, we want to put them in the best investments so that they make money uh, because obviously you want to make money with your investments. But right, right. also, you know, if, if they lose money, we take a pay cut as well because then we're billing on less assets. Right. Um, so that that quarterly fee is the only uh, that's the only way we're compensated. We don't have any commissions. We don't have any um, you know deals or like kickbacks from investment companies to put you know client money into their products over another investment company's products. Um, it's strictly just the AUM fee. All right. And then you were talking about how you started making content. What, what kind of content were you making and are still making? Yeah. So we have 
um, like a weekly approach to, to content. Um, we try to do at least one video, one podcast and a blog post mm-hmm. every week. Um, I think it started mainly with blog posts and podcasts. And then I think in 2015 or 16, we started doing the videos and then, um, I think in 2018-ish around then, we we really got on a set schedule with trying to get that out on a weekly basis. And the videos aren't anything long. It's not like we're putting out feature films every week. It's more right. just like a four or five minute video, of, uh, if that. Sometimes they're like two or three minutes of, you know, either it's a financial planning topic mm-hmm. uh, that we that we heard or a question that we got from a client during the during the week, um, or addressing something that's going on in the market, uh, you know, things that, that people want to hear about, um, pretty much it's a way to just communicate with clients and, and, and prospects and make sure that, uh, you know, our message is, is getting out there, but we, we try and cover all the bases with podcasts, videos, and blog posts. And is that, that's a form of marketing that you're doing this as, um, I think in a way it is, we, we also, we view it more as a, I I would say the, the videos and the podcasts, um, tend to be more our way of staying in, uh, in front of our clients because we have hundreds of clients. We, Mm -hmm. we, we can't possibly talk to every single one of them about every issue that comes up. Uh, so sending out weekly and we, bundle all of the things that we do in a week and we send it out every Friday uh, to our clients Mm -hmm. to be like, here's what we're talking about in the office this week. Like here are our thoughts on what happened this week. Um, So we use that as a way to stay in touch with our clients, um, to communicate with them, to further build the relationship Mm -hmm. and um, make sure you retain the clients. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So in a, in a way, I guess it's, it's kind of marketing to our our own clients to make sure that they, you know, stay around and that they, they hear from us all the time, because I would say a majority of people that come into our office for a new meeting, most of them say that they're leaving their current advisor because they never hear from them. Interesting. So that's why, you know, my, we kept hearing that in meetings and it's like, we don't ever want to have someone say that about mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So we want to stay in front of our clients as much as we can. And so I know you were saying that you represent people or you advise people uh, who are all ages. Is there, you know, a specific amount of wealth that people need to have or a specific career that they need to have in order to invest with you? Um, A specific career? No, we can, we can help anyone in any type of any line of work Um, in terms of the amount of wealth that they have. um, We have, we have two ways that we can work with people. Um, the fee approach that I talked to you about before, um, that starts at, uh, we call that our AUM model. That starts at 250,000. Okay. Um, so then if it, if you have $250,000 or more to invest mm-hmm. um, for us to manage, then we apply the, the uh, AUM model where it's a quarterly percentage it starts at one percent and it goes down as the account balance goes up okay and then uh, for people that have less than two hundred fifty thousand, um, we created what we call our subscription model uh, mm. it's 
you know, we do all of the same work, the service is the same, um, but it's, you know, it's a $1,000 upfront fee to do all of the, uh, you know, the work in the beginning to get everything started, do the financial planning, do the data gathering, get everything done. And then um, there's a 125 a month monthly subscription to, to um, keep the relationship going. Mm -hmm. You can call and ask questions. You can, you know, update the plan as needed. Um, so that that's our way of working with anyone who has any, any amount of money. Uh, Cause okay. you know, we found that a lot of the big national firms, um, if you don't have at least like half a million dollars, you're not even getting in the door. And there's really? a lot of, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of people that have less than that. Um, and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, while it might not seem like a lot of money to them, it is, and mm -hmm. it's super important to them. So like, we don't want to neglect all of these people. It's like, you worked hard for your money. You know, we want to make sure that you have the ability to, you know, work with someone, um, even if your account balance isn't, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Right, right. Interesting. And so when you say you prepare a financial plan, like what is, what is that look like? So when we get started with people, we do what, what we call data gathering. And that's, you know, we'll send out, um, we have these worksheets where, you know, we initially want to start with like a cash flow and balance sheet okay. to see how much money you have coming in every week or every month and how much money you're spending, make sure that's all in proportion, how much you're saving. Um, and then kind of go from there and, and tackle, you know, how much you can be investing, how much should you be investing, where to invest. So the financial plan really covers everything from, you know, budgeting on a monthly basis to all of your investment decisions, uh, to retirement planning, mm -hmm. um, you know, the tax implications of those investments. Um, if you're later on in your career, retirement planning, um, we can address insurance needs. We don't sell insurance policies, um, but we can definitely identify, you know, how much insurance, uh, is appropriate for you. And like what, what type of policy would be best and then point you in the right direction of like where you can go get those policies since we don't right. sell them. Um, and you know, it, so the financial plan really covers all of those different categories, um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't always apply to everyone. Like if we, if there's a, a client who's coming in, that's 65 years old, they, you know, they, they really just want to focus on the retirement planning okay. side of things. Um, you know, we can tailor the conversations to pretty much address, you know, what's most concerning to them at the time, mm -hmm. and then always circle back to any other questions that they might have after that. Okay. And do you find yourself working with a lot of other professionals for people when they're, you know, figuring out what to do with their, uh, you know, with their wealth? Yeah, I think um, the main, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot with people's um, accountants and attorneys. Okay. Um, mostly accountants. It's, it, if we, the relationships that we have with attorneys, it would mostly just be pointing them, um, to them to get like the estate planning documents drawn up mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. We don't typically have too much back and forth with attorneys unless it's dealing with an estate 
issue or, or something like that. But okay. we, you know, we, we talk with people's accountants all the time um, when it comes to, um, you know, taking money, drawing money from their retirement accounts, uh, thinking about capital gains mm-hmm. and, you know, selling investments and, you know, where to put money and, and should it be in a tax deferred account or should it be in a, uh, you know, taxable account? There's a lot of different investment decisions that have a lot of tax implications. So um, we, we work with accountants quite a bit. Got it. Got it. And so, you know, you do all this weekly content creation, but you also had a podcast for a very long time. How many episodes did you do? I don't know the exact number, but I think it was like close to 110. Wow. Um, we definitely got over a hundred. I remember okay. having a big 100th episode. Um, but I think it had for your hundredth. Uh, I think it was a solo episode actually. Oh yeah. As conceited as that is. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, it, it fizzled out a l- shortly after that. Cause I started, that's when I really started cracking down with, uh, uh, studying for the CFP exam. And, you know, it was, it was right around when the pandemic hit in 2020. So, um, as advisors here, like things got pretty crazy and, and just our day-to-day life didn't, uh, allow for the time to record podcasts. And plus a lot of the guests that I were talking to were also in the same boat. Um, uh-huh. cause I talked to, I talked to a lot of financial professionals, um, and a lot of people were super busy during that time as well. Um, but now that I'm done with the CFP, um, who knows, maybe it's something I can pick I'm back gonna start up. It back up. Yeah. And go back so for round two. How did you find people to be on your podcast? Um, it started, so I, there was two ways that I, um, found guests for the podcast. It was, I talked to a lot of the uh, local business owners around here. Um, we have a chamber of commerce in town. So I would go to, and we're, we're members of the chamber. So I would go to the chamber meetings and talk to people and say, Hey, you're a business owner. Like, do you want to come on the podcast and talk about your business? Talk about how things got started. Uh, kind of similar to what we're doing here. Okay. And then, and then also, um, financial Twitter is a pretty big community. Okay. Uh, so we, on, on Twitter, um, there are hundreds, if not thousands of advisors out there um, that um, there's a whole network of people. We all follow each other and communicate every day. People write blog posts and share content and mm-hmm. uh, bounce ideas off of each other. And, you know, you almost start like, you start like an online community and you, you make friends uh, that you've never really met in person before, right. but Twitter. So, you know, I had a lot of contacts that I met um, on Twitter and I would just send them DMs or emails and just say, Hey, like, uh, I liked your post on this. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to come on the podcast and talk about it? So it was a lot of authors, um, people that were writing financial books okay, and, and uh, bloggers and people that were making content in the financial industry. Um, mm-hmm. I asked them to come on the show and pretty much just like talk about their work and what they were doing for people. Okay. And so what was your process like to prepare uh, to host a podcast? Um, so I, I like to be, when I would do it, I would tend to be over-prepared. I would always get a lot of feedback from people like, like, oh, wow, this is like, I've done a lot of podcasts before, but like, I've never really like the, the outline that I would send people was um, I would make up a lot of questions and stuff uh-huh. for them. 
and not that I would just, you know, read from the question list, uh, you know, the, the conversation would flow naturally from there, but, uh, you know, I always wanted to be prepared to make sure that we had enough to talk about. So if it was an author, you know, I'd read through the book and pick out different topics, uh, different chapters and different points from the book and ask them about that. Uh, and, you know, just start like a larger conversation about, um, what the book is about, the process of writing the book, uh, the behind the scenes, mm -hmm. all the research and things that went into it. Um, same thing with bloggers and advice and advisors, um, just asking them about their process and how, you know, they, they help people. What do they do? Um, you know, what's kind of unique about them. And for people that wrote blog posts, it was just, you know, reading through all of their blog posts, picking out mm -hmm. which ones I like the best and just asking them about that. I would dig back some of these people. I would dig back like years and years and just find really. Them. Yeah, I would, I would find like small, short little blog posts that like uh, didn't have a lot of comments or anything, but like I thought it was super interesting. So I would ask them about that and they'd be like, oh my God, like I, I didn't think anybody read that or like- I don't I even believe that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Changed my mind. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's what I would do to get prepared. Yeah, so when, when's your book coming out? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's so next. That, you did the podcast, the blog posts. Now we, all, we need the book now. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Maybe this will be day one of, uh, of preparation for the, the outline. Yeah. And so when you were doing the podcast, did you do all the, you know, the editing and the promos on social media? And did you do all of that work too? Yeah, uh, I did, which was time consuming. Um, but I liked not that I'm like a control freak, but I also, I liked having control over like, I knew how the final product was going to sound because mm -hmm. um, you can outsource the the editing and stuff like that. Like you can send it off to someone and they'll chop it up for you. Um, and then you'll get it back. Um, obviously you have to pay for it. So yeah. there's, that, there's that aspect of it as well. Um, but also from like a time point of view, um, from like our schedule, I was trying to keep it on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. uh, so have like an episode, I think it was it Tuesday or Thursday. I forget. It's been like two years <laughs> since I published an episode, but, um, it was either Tuesdays or Thursdays new episodes came out. So, and sometimes I would do the interview like the, the week before, and then that mm -hmm. would be the episode for next week. So it's like, okay, you had a buffer. I would, I would worry that if I were to send it out to someone like the turnaround time was so small that there wouldn't be a guarantee that it'd be ready for Thursday. So it's like, if I do all of this myself, I can control when it's done. Uh, okay. Cause I can just finish it and, you know, make sure that it's ready to go. But if I were to do it again, I, I would consider, you know, having, getting some help with that. Cause especially, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis here um, dealing with, with clients and mm -hmm. trying to grow the business, it's uh, it, there's only so many hours in the day. Right, right. And then a lot goes into having a really good looking work product and yours, yours was always very, very good. Sweet. Thank you. And uh, did you did you have like a goal with the podcast or you just took off running to see where it would bring you? Yeah, so I, in the beginning, I didn't really have a goal. But after the first handful of episodes, I kind of like settled into like, all right, this is what I want to get out of it. So at the time, um, so I started it, I think in 2017, 
or 18. Um, and it went for until like 2020. So it was about two years that I was doing it. Um, at the time, you know, I was 25 or 26. Mm. So being that young in our industry, um, you know, most of the advisors out there, it's, it's changing a little now, but most of the advisors out there, uh, they have gray hair and they've been in the business for a long time. And, um, so I, I was using the podcast as a way to kind of just build credibility in the industry. And that's why I wanted to talk to people in our industry that were established and that, you know, had books of business and had written books and years of blog posts and, you know, clients and, you know, just a, I use it as a way to kind of get my foot in the door with a lot of people that I had been reading their work for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so also so a networking they, tool. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I think mostly for me, uh, it was a way to kind of build my network as a, as a professional, not necessarily as like a client building, uh, like prospecting tool, but it was more, um, from a, from a networking standpoint with my peers and people that I had been interacting with on, on Twitter and people that I looked up to and I like read their books and stuff like that. This episode of the Bronx attorney broadcast was brought to you by me, Will Ferrero. Uh, I'm an attorney in prior law right here in the Bronx and we primarily practice in personal injury. However, we do also do a, a variety of areas of practice. So I can help you with just about any sort of legal issue that you might have. I'm admitted to practice both in New York and New Jersey. And if it's not something that I can personally help you with, I can connect you with someone in my network of attorneys who is best equipped to help you with your legal issue. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Bronx Attorney. You can send me an email, Ferrero at Prior Law, or call me at the office, 718 829-0222. And now back to the show. So do you feel like you were successful with your goal? Did you build your network? Yeah, I think, I think it worked pretty well. Um, you know, it, in a way I, I kind of thought it was like a little selfish cause I just wanted to like, uh, I wanted to like meet all of these people and get to know them and, and it worked. Um, you know, went to ended up going to a handful of conferences and uh-huh. meeting these people in person and, you know, went out to dinner with a few of them and, and hung out, uh, just like outside of the conference. So it's definitely, it was, it was definitely a successful, um, endeavor, I think for, for me. Is there anybody specifically that, that you thought was like, uh, pseudo celebrity or like somebody super cool that you got to know? Um, there's a, there's this firm in New York, um, called Ritholtz Wealth Management. Um, and in our industry, they're super well-known. Uh, mm-hmm. and I got to interview a few people, uh, from that firm. Uh, so just getting to talk to them, uh, I think was, was pretty cool. Um, there, there are a few people that work for that firm that I would have liked to eventually interview had I continued doing it. I think I was like working my way up the up the ladder there. Uh, so maybe if I pick it back up, I could get them on the show. But, uh, yeah, I think interacting with those guys was pretty cool. They're awesome. And so between the podcasting and the videos and the writing, the blogs is like, what do you prefer doing? I like, I like podcasting. Um, I think that it comes naturally to me as opposed to writing. 
sometimes um, the the tone and the I can't really find my words or my my voice doesn't really come across as authentic uh, or in in the right way when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on it, uh, but I think podcasting definitely gives me the ability to show off like more of who I am as a person and as a as a personality. And uh, I like doing videos too, um, but you know sometimes if we're like filming a weekly video here at the office, um, there's more pressure when you're doing videos, you know, yeah. you gotta, so, you gotta, you gotta turn it on for the camera. Right. <laughs> I think, I think the podcast stopped right before TikTok got big, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's the wow. next space you gotta get into. You gotta get into the TikToks. I could be, there are some wild financial people, well, financial people on TikTok, like yeah. the, the, Twitter community here, we like, I feel like every week there's like another, like, here's how I made $1 million, like doing this crazy thing. And like, right, right. Yeah, it makes its way to Twitter and we're all just like people kind of grifting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's insane. So hey, maybe I should do that. I don't know. <laughs> have the new, the next, the financial dance of the week. Yeah, exactly. And then, so I was reading on your, on your website that you, you've gotten into the operations side of the business too. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Um, that was, um, uh, I think when we, you know, we were getting started with some of the software and, and building out processes of like how things operate in the office and how things work. Um, just like, you know, onboarding clients and, mm-hmm. you know, staying in touch with clients and stuff like that. Um, just like building out schedules and processes for how things work. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad started the business by himself. And honestly, until Brendan came to work with him in 2012 or 13, uh, he was pretty much on his own. Right. So there was, the business was was running and it was running smoothly, but there was a lot that was just like up in his head that yeah, he knew yeah, what yeah. to do. But it's like, okay, there are other people here now. So like, we need to write this stuff down. And right, we need to like right. so it can processes. be so it can be replicated exactly yeah so it's so like were... if, if one day there's someone who works here that doesn't have the last name Maluli, they can figure it out too mm-hmm. like it's not just some secret sauce that's like up in our heads that only right. we can understand so you so. were charged with extracting the genius out of Tom Maluli's brain essentially yeah that's, yeah great Do, is that is that something that you enjoy doing um I think it's something that was necessary to be done. Uh, and I think now that it's done, it has helped uh, our, our day-to-day work right. run a, a lot more smooth. Um, but I mean, was it fun? <laughs> Not particularly, but it's, it was a lot of, uh, you know, just we were, so we have a CRM, uh, which is, client relations management program. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's actually what it stands for, but uh, it's pretty much like our client database where we have all of our information and we can like uh, write down notes about like when we have a conversation with someone and set up like actions for, Hey, you need to call this person on this day. Like it gives you a reminder, mm-hmm. that's a calendar and stuff like that. So when we were trying to decide which program was best for us, I did a lot of the trials like the the free demos and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out which one worked best for our our business um so it was 
it was uh it was necessary work um i wouldn't i wouldn't call it fun but you know uh it was something that we definitely needed to do and it it helped us moving forward got it yeah i feel like those kind of things are like fun to a point until then it's like you have to repeat it over and over again and then you're like okay maybe yeah sometimes it's like there's the the programs are set up a certain way but it's like we do things we might do it like a little differently than like the mm -hmm. way that it's supposed to run in the program so it's like kind of messing with the you know the little nuts and bolts in the software to like get it to adjust to like how we do things so like that became a little bit tedious because it's like it's like ah oh, this action isn't showing up like where it's supposed to on this day like which button am i clicking wrong and it's like it, you know it can get yeah. frustrating and you got to deal with tech support and all that stuff. But yeah, I feel like uh, that's the future though. We might have to get used to, uh, used to yeah. this stuff. <laughs> and it definitely like, it's a, it's a, it can be a frustrating process, like at, at the onset, but it definitely over the long term, like it, it, it ends up like being totally worth it in the long run. Right. And so I feel like financial advising is kind of like personal injury, right? It seems like a very saturated market everybody wants to take your personal injury case or to manage your money. And yeah. how does Maluli asset management set itself apart from the others? I think, um, especially in our area here, you know, we're, there aren't that many, um, fee only fiduciary CFP local firms. Um, like there's, you know, there's, Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley and stuff like that. But, you know, when, when you work with someone there, if you call them, you're going to get somebody in a call center. Got so, it. you know, we interact with our clients on a weekly basis. You know, we're, we're staying in front of people when, you know, other advisors tend to hide if things get, things get bad. You know, we've mm -hmm. had a rough start to the year in the market this year. And, you know, we're not shying away from our clients. Like we're, we're talking to them. We're being, uh, you know, open and honest about what's going on and, you know, we don't want to hide. So I think from a service standpoint, um, you know, we definitely provide a more personal touch mm -hmm. uh, than some of the bigger firms out there. And, you know, like we talked about before, I think just being a fiduciary and having that legal obligation to always work in your client's best interest. When you point that out to people, you know, I mentioned it before, like people don't, always know that the person I they're like, Oh, the, the guy I've been working with, like, doesn't have that obligation. Right, like, right. what do you mean? Like, that's, it seems like it should be common sense. Like, oh, of course you want the person managing your money to, you know, be on the same side of the table as you. Um, so I think, you know, from the service standpoint and then the fiduciary obligation, and then, you know, we, we have the family business aspect, um, is good for a couple reasons. You know, it's, it's, it allows us to work as a team. Uh, right. you're not, just, you're not just getting one advisor and one opinion, you know, you're getting three or four different sets of eyes looking at, at your stuff. Um, and you know, we can help people in pretty much any phase of their life because my mm -hmm. dad is in the same age range as a lot of our clients, uh, you know, getting up closer towards retirement. And then we also have three advisors on the younger side of things. So even if you're, you know, just getting started with us, uh, you don't have to worry about 
the succession planning here. It's like, you know, we're, we're not going anywhere. Um, even, you know, when our dad does retire there, you know, the, the business is going to persist on after that. So you don't have to worry about, um, us going anywhere. Okay. So what would you, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who, you know, maybe they have a good business and they're in a small business and they're looking at all these other competitors that are pumping out content and paid ads and they're on TV and they're like, I want to make some content, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. What would you say to them? Um, specifically in, in this industry or just in, in general in any industry? I mean, either one, both. I think, I guess, I guess my answer could apply to pretty much any industry, but, uh, I think find something that you're, you're really good at specifically, like find a a niche and really just hammer that home. Like find, find something. If it's, if it's the financial industry, if you, you know, really want to target retirees and you want to help them with their retirement planning projections and retirement, anything that has to do with retirement. Like you can just write blog posts and videos and podcasts directly at them and just set, like fill that market and not try and paint with too broad of a brush Mm -hmm. because there's always going to be a bigger firm out there that's going to be able to spend more money than you on, on their ads and, and stuff. So I would really focus on creating the best content that you can and finding a localized kind of specific target for what you want to, like what demographic you want to hit. And so would you recommend going blogs or videos, uh, Instagram reels, podcasts, I would honestly, um, in the beginning, if you're unsure, like you asked me before, which one I, I like the best. Um, I was only able to figure that out by trying pretty much everything. Mm. Uh, unless, unless you know that, like, I want to do videos for sure, then do videos, um, whichever you're, whichever one you're most comfortable with and whichever one you think is going to come across, um, get the message across the best. Uh, I would, I would try that. And if you're not sure, try all of them. Um, cause you never know, uh, you could think that videos is what you want to do. And then you do a video or two and you're like, eh, that, that wasn't my best. And then you write yeah. a blog post and you're like, oh, wow. Like this, this is actually way easier or more enjoyable. Um, that's another thing too. I would, I would say whichever one you enjoy the most, Okay, uh, that's going to be the one that's easiest to stick to. Right. Cause if you, if you enjoy doing it, then you're going to want to do it more. And yeah. I think consistency is another key too. you know, um, we set the schedule for us a couple of years ago where we want to do, uh, something every week and get it out to clients. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't have to be every week. That could be a lot. Um, it could be not a lot, you know, if you want to do something every day, mm-hmm. uh, that, but I would say being consistent with it, uh, is definitely super important as well when you're getting started. All right. Well, I think that's great advice. And Tim, you know, it was great talking with you today. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcasts and uh, speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having, having me.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Please like, review, and subscribe so we can help the channel continue to grow. And if you're interested in connecting with any of the guests, please let me know, and I'd be happy to make the introduction.